Sunday, February 10th, 2019. This is Postmark of 33, and I'm Scott Sutter. And I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Scott, my friend. Ass, cash, or grass. No one rides for free on 33. <laughs> Number 33. Number hey, 33. this is the first WrestleMania I went to. Hey, that Number is. Number 33. Oh, yeah. In Orlando. Big Orlando. I bet you ass, cash, or grass bumper stickers sell very well in orlando no, they're florida big in orlando they're <laughs> big at those like five for ten dollar t-shirt shops oh man yeah yeah there's some some 15 year old that's like mom can i get this from my car i know i only got a learner's permit but i really want to put it on my truck <laughs> right next to my my other bumper sticker that says lifted so fat chicks can't get in. <laughs> right above my truck nuts, please, <laughs> mom. But yeah, 33. <laughs> wow. A palindromic episode for a, a crazy week, a crazy couple of weeks. We haven't been here in a little while. But Take a breather. Yeah, a little breather. A little, a little get our shit together mm-hmm. sort of breather. New year breather. Oh, yeah. New year, a couple new breaths. Oh, yeah. Because uh, most people's new years start in the beginning of January, but I found that the end of January is when it when it's really necessary. Hey, today, I, I think it's today is Chinese New Year. Well, there you go. There That's you have really it. What is it? What is it? You're the pig, right? Is it? Yeah, it should be. If it isn't, it should be because... I've been really into watching videos Porky of... Porky Pig in it? <laughs> I was Porky Pig in I it. I saw you Porky you Pig in here. it today. <laughs> saw that. Took us. Walking around naked because I've had to put some... Uh, I had to put some ointment on my <laughs> on my leg and I wanted it to dry before you got here. You know, what if every medication was an ointment form? <laughs> We uh we specialize in ointments and suppositories. <laughs> nothing more, nothing less. Chinese New Year is on Tuesday. It was oh, okay. Last Tuesday. Yeah, but so, it is the year of the pig. Yeah, right. Exactly. Cause the uh, you ever you ever watch little little gifs of little piglets? <laughs> yeah, they're the best. Sure, they're very cute. They're the best. So wrestling. Is yeah, happening. Wrestling. Yeah. And we're coming up on, on Elimination Chamber so quickly after the Royal Rumble, which we haven't had a chance to talk about um, really. But I think um, one thing that stuck out in my mind in thinking about the Royal Rumble was how much I love baseball stadium presentations uh, so of wrestling cool. shows. Because I think what's cool about the baseball stadium is that it forces them to get rid of a lot of the like traditional trappings like the stage and the ramp and everything and yeah. it forces them to conform to this other weird place it makes it feel smaller and bigger at the same time right i mean especially too because i have such an affinity for the fact that seemingly there's no single uh baseball stadium that is shaped the same way uh, baseball tradition is is cool it's amazing it, baseball baseball stadiums much like snowflakes there are no no two of the same i think there was a really i forget if it was it might have been grantland that did a really good article about the politics of shaping a baseball stadium mm. and like how the rocky stadium had to be built specifically differently so to try and curb the increase in home runs interesting and, yeah how, oh like, right yeah because you have like the thin air all sorts of all sorts of crazy dimensions that go into it and then yeah you got you got the mile high stadium where i remember the home run derby that year everyone was really stoked because mm-hmm. everyone's just hitting it really far probably the sammy sosa mark mcguire era because you know big home run hitter oh it was great larry walker that rocky just cracking oh, dingers oh man he was great dude i love larry walker he was awesome there was that i think that was the all-star game too where he was the story was that he was afraid of facing randy johnson cool. that randy johnson had like 
maybe thrown a little snugly at him before and they were in the all-star game and Randy Johnson like threw the ball over Larry Walker's head and then Larry Walker switched sides and put his batting helmet on backwards because he got cover that ear dude I wish every game was an all-star game (laughs) because it's so fun and everybody can be so silly you remember those rock and jock uh things on MTV? so so cool these are basketball ones with the like super high basket that was worth like 100 points wacky rules so tight i was thinking about that this past week or two weeks ago when the pro bowl was happening when the football pro bowl was happening i did not watch that show nobody watches that show i don't care about that at all but the basketball all-star game and baseball so fun so fun the uh, the, the hockey all-star game is wild too they have like different rules right well they they might at this point they've like you know all of those games tend to have a new set of rules like every five years so that people care about them but hockey did like north america versus the world in 98 when the nhl like participated in the winter olympics for the first time but what's fun about watching the the hockey game is that um they everybody just tries to get like the assist so it's like it's seriously like everybody just passing to each other nobody like shoots at the open net it's just like oh let's make like eight passes here so that there's an empty net for someone to just like push the puck into (laughs) (laughs) that's so cool i think that's like and that happens in basketball as well right like they it's all about setting up alley-oops yeah anybody cares about yeah or someone someone like wants to take the game over or isaiah thomas tells everybody not to pass the ball to michael jordan (laughs) but i've been reading harry potter and i keep i keep pointing out the fact that like the quidditch rules are stupid in my opinion because you catch the golden snitch and then what like it's worth a million points and 150 points and nobody scores nobody scores more than 150 points in that game well you're gonna have to keep reading tim because the there there might be quidditch games that have high scoring uh high scoring points yeah all right all right, I'll keep. But I, I agree. There's times where the snitch doesn't make sense. See, here's the thing about it automatically ends the game. Here's the thing about Harry Potter. You read the book, it's good. Something awesome happens, and then you start the next book, and you're like, yeah, oh, it was so cool at the end when when Harry defeated fucking Voldemort again, and then start the next book, you're just at the fucking the the Dorsley's house for fifty pages. I don't care. No, no. Oh, he's, he's I feel still like living sets... with his with his aunt. No, yeah, he's, he's still, still the an same. underdog. No, he's still an underdog. He's still got shit to dig out from under. I'm just, I'm over it. I'm over the Dorsleys. I'm over Percy and the freaking. Not... Wait, isn't Percy Percy a Weasley? Whatever. Dudley, Dudley. yeah, Dudley, Dursley. Dursley. <laughs> See, this. Uh huh. Thanks, Jamie. But anyway, wrestling wrestling happened. It happened at the Royal Rumble. Um, and not to backtrack too far to, or to get into it too much, but, you know, the story going in, the story coming out, Becky Lynch. That's all we really had, right? Dude, yeah. And, and it was great. I don't mean to, to dismiss that. I think, like, that was the story. It was. And the fact that she starts off that show going 20 minutes with oscar and um tapping out which i'm so down with yeah totally she's a badass it's fine it's i think that the um i think that the idea that tapping out is is a sign of weakness it's been totally killed by the fact that people tap out in ufc all the time right and it's there's nothing that's that says like oh they just gave up. It's like, no, you, you tap out before like something gets broken. You know. Yeah. You know that you're done. Honestly, I think, yeah, because it's not like, I think wrestling for the longest time portrays the submission move as like just pain, right? Like this is an insane amount of pain that you're in. Not that this is going to be damaging to your body, that this is like hitting a breaking point. And I think now, yeah, because of things like UFC, 
it's really straightforward that like yeah of course if you're getting choked out you have to tap out there's they're gonna break your arm with that arm bar you have to tap out i think that like wwe is at a breaking point now where for a long while all baby faces have been getting to the point of passing out rather than tapping out which is just not interesting anymore yeah definitely and i think that we saw when rusev was it's like all right he makes everybody pass out that's cool but you lose something there you lose something in the fact that he's bringing somebody to the point where i mean there's no amount of logical uh pride that would overtake someone's instinct to just be like i have to do this i'm going to die steve austin's like really the only one where it's like that worked so well because of the visual because of you know that story being at that time it makes so much sense and now it's like all right we've introduced a level of reality here we also can't replicate that right though they're doing a really good job of replicating stone cold steve austin with becky lynch right now sure fighting the fucking mcmahon just fighting all of them not caring about anything and i really love that in an era when seemingly we're like you're saying like seemingly we're at this point where it's almost more realistic i love that becky is just like killing this family with no repercussions at all she's suspended because she won't go to the doctor not because she's ripping up people's arms yeah that are her bosses yeah yeah there's not like all right well you were suspended for 30 days and now you're suspended for 60 days i wonder if it continues to just be triple h and stephanie oh she's gotta hurt vince man how dope would it be it's obviously not gonna happen but if fucking linda came out oh that would be so sick that would be so tight i know it's a shame that she just can't at this point yeah yeah i mean there's a lot of other factors there but just wrestling (laughs) just wrestling there's a lot of thing about about linda mcmahon that's a shame right now (laughs) truly i wonder if she knows anything Oh, I'm Probably. sure. I wonder if yeah, she uh, she's I just she wonder, seems like a like, second thought at this point. Like that was yeah, someone totally. that it's just like, yep, you did me a bunch of favors. Here's right, the return. Right. Yeah, and it was it was so funny to see it like amidst all of the Trump stuff, and to see that and just be like, well, that's unethical, but it's very mild. It's as it's it's far back as politics goes is something like that occurring i yeah, would suppose it's pretty classic right but uh, yeah i do think that becky's stone cold steve austin run right now is ama- somebody pointed out on reddit that like the gun the austin's gun and the zamboni ride and a couple other like really wild stunts all happened in like a four raw four episodes of raw in succession yeah and i think what they're doing with becky now which is unloading everything like on monday and on tuesday she's just just like opening every show destroying people i think it's such a cool it's a very stone cold steve austin thing to do i wonder where this goes with ronda is it becky versus the mcmahons and then becky versus ronda or do we come to a point where you know, Steph and Triple H reach out to Rhonda because Rhonda's been kind of working like a tweener lately. She's kind of hinting at the fact that maybe sometime soon she's just going to go full on heel with right. the crowd. Um, you know, do you line her up with the McMahons then? Is that necessary? I think there's a really straightforward line there. I mean, the original storyline last year was, you know, Stephanie saying, we are grooming you to be our prize fighter, right? Mm-hmm. And then Rhonda obviously doesn't like that idea. She wants to be her own, like, fighter. I think it's really straightforward for her to just be like, yeah, I'm the, I'm the, the McMahons are paying me a ton of money. That's what I'm here for. 
I'm here for this company. Yeah. Blah blah blah. I think it's like really easy to line those those folks up. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that's a that's a really good way to keep the you know the fact that she is Ronda Rousey. She is like a legit fighter. Um, you know, it's kind of it goes back to the idea that like people want to be the champion because the champion is the one who's making the most money. That's I, I think that's in the spirit of of Ronda where she's at. Um, totally. Brian is looking fantastic. Oh, he's great. He's got that. I think I don't think we've spoken since he got that cool belt, that cool burlap belt. Fucking love it. It's great. Um, yeah, it's hemp. Is dude, it hemp? Is that what it is? Yeah, dude, it's totally hemp. That's makes sense. It was fun seeing him in Smack on uh, SmackDown in Washington, where he's just like, "Oh God, it's so nice to be here around people who." understand i just love that he's just this poster boy for freaking like liberal pacific northwest like wanting to secede from the union totally (laughs) and i think it's it was like it's really smart of him he played that so smartly he knows there's no way they're gonna boo him Mm -hmm. yeah because i'm watching and i'm kind of like is he gonna be like y'all are terrible too but he never gets there because i think that that would kind of require too much self-awareness from that character yeah to be like you all are so far up your own asses because he's so far up his own ass. yeah no i mean like those are his people i think it's it's totally fair i mean i i've been watching a lot of um i watched uh i started watching bad blood in your house bad blood mm. today specifically because you were talking about that hell in a cell match not too long ago it was amazing. And I think that's like a really interesting spot that Brian can be in where in some markets he could be a hero and in some markets he could be a villain, but no matter what, he's like ridiculously magnetic. Yeah. They just um they just bounce back and forth between Tulsa, Oklahoma and Seattle. Mm-hmm. And then they and then they go to uh Mobile, Alabama, and then they go to Portland. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have a show in Austin and then have a show oh, in, they would in love Dallas. Oh, in like, Austin. It's yeah. I feel like there's <laughs> there's just a great way to move him around that way. Yeah, it'll be it'll be good when he goes to when he goes to Canada. I feel like that's uh, that's a perfect place for him. They're gonna to love him be, there. Oh my god, it'd be so good. What the fuck? Up. The visual stopped. Oh, we're back. Oh, it's like Sam. Oh, and we're back. And we're back after a what the fuck. Um, but I know I, I'm hearing it and I want to, I want to be able to just see it. I want to be able to see is it. it still not showing? No, oh, it's, it it's showing up. I don't okay. know. I, who knows these days? How often do you restart these computers? Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like, like I don't, I feel like I don't ever start this. You really don't have to. Yeah. It's nice like that. But anyway, um, what, what else? I feel like this is. It continues to be an interesting time to be guessing as to what's going on. Um, we got a little bit more of a insight into AEW. Kenny Omega signs uh, officially. Looks, so do you have a good understanding? I saw somebody mapped out like the corporate structure of that company. And I don't know if it's what's kayfabe and what's not. But like a bunch of those wrestlers have official positions in the company like Cody and the Bucks and I think Brandy is the you know marketing officer of the company and Kenny uh-huh. Omega is an executive producer of the company. Well, I mean you can go back to uh you can go back to the times when Dusty was sure. booking and working. Ric Flair was booking WCW for a little while. Um they've never had that in WWE, right? Um, which is kind of because it's it's always Vince and Pat Patterson for a long time, and then Pritchard and Jim Cornette. I mean, I guess Patterson was he was wrestling. He was he booking while he was wrestling, or was that post? I don't think so. I think it's I think it's after the Far fact. After. Um, he always comes off whenever Pritchard talks about him as just being like the greatest mind ever as far as like booking finishes goes and shit like that. 
Um, dude, I reached a point. Um, I th- this might have been the death now. I've been kind of like, kind of losing it a little bit with Bischoff's podcast because sure. he gets he kind of just talks about the same things a lot. There's not a big enough span. I don't think it's just like, yeah, Monday Night Wars. And he just has a tendency to kind of like go down the same holes with talking about Meltzer or talking about himself in a way where he just kind of, I don't know, he points out facts, but facts that are just, it's like, dude, we, we get it. You didn't have any experience like going into it. Like you don't need to remind everybody, dude, it's, it's just like the Dursleys, man. I know that Harry Potter lives with the Dursleys. I don't, I don't need, you don't to, need be, to reiterate this, but anyway, um, so I've been like, you know, not finishing episodes, yeah. not being too invested. And they were talking a couple weeks ago and Conrad asks him a question. Will you stop? And he says, and this is, this is a question that essentially I've been building towards with my listening the entire time. Conrad says, let me ask you a question. I don't know if this is going to go anywhere, but what do you know about Bob Mould? No way. Yeah. Bob Mould wrote for WCW. He asked about him? Yeah. Cool. And probably asked because I asked on Twitter, like, hey, I, I would love to hear about about this. Because Bob Mould is there for a lot of the times when Eric isn't. It's like things are really starting to go all over the place. Like Russo 99? comes in. 99. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, right before, like, the radicals leave. Right. Before um, things really collapse on him. Yeah, and and Bob talks about it in his book, and it's because he befriended Kevin Nash, and then Nash is so like, cool. dude, we could use some help on the writing staff, and he's like, yeah. Sure. It's so funny to read Bob Mould's book because he had the fucking time of his life, and he is also producing some of the worst wrestling television that's ever been well uh, yeah i mean can you imagine just being thrown in during this very tumultuous time with no experience right. wrestling in any capacity right and um and eric's like conrad asks and he's like you know i didn't i didn't know him very very well i forget who brought him in uh i know he's a music guy right and then conrad's like yeah he's big in the alternative rock world and he's been in a few bands and eric's like well i knew he was from minneapolis and that meant something but is he still doing it and bob and conrad's like yeah looks like it and then that was that and i was like oh that sucks i'm done with this podcast that's my 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 big crossover and i got nothing from it that's such a heartbreaker but maybe maybe he'll be on better yet i i my people contacted his people did so. they did they really yeah have you talked to him no it's like three emails were sent and it's just cool. like no response follow up follow up got passed on to somebody else we got to follow up there oh my God. see what happens probably won't happen sure but honestly hey, it'd be cool and be like hey let's talk about three things you were in Hoomsker let's give that about 10 minutes. You made Copper Blue, let's give that 20 minutes. And then wrestling, 55 minutes. Perfect. All right. That's a right. full episode. Dude, it's like that. It's like finding out that Samuel Becky gave Andre the Giant a uh, ride to school. Ride to school. This is like, that's what I live for. Those sorts of those sorts of moments. Uh, yeah, Jonathan Taylor Thomas on, uh, on Royal Rumble. Oh, exactly. Dude, JTT comes out Leslie of WrestleMania Nielsen? 11. <laughs> that yeah. Lizzie Nielsen was at a Rumble. He was at SummerSlam, SummerSlam. 94 looking for The Undertaker. Taker, yeah. I bet everybody there had the best time. I can't even imagine. Dude. I would lose my mind. That's, yeah, that's really, the, those two crossovers are. If you could meet anybody over the past 100 years, <laughs> who would it be? That's a really difficult question. All right. Anybody in entertainment 
over the past. Leslie Nielsen's definitely up there. Because that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, yo, Leslie Nielsen's probably really high for you. Yeah. It's like him and Paul Rudd. <laughs> I think those two. And then maybe Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. I think Harrison Ford. Uh, yeah, Harrison. I think I would like Harrison Ford to come over for an hour. Have you? Did we talk about this already? His uh, David Blaine trick? No. <laughs> There's David Blaine has this special where he's like, you know, doing close-up uh, magic to a bunch of celebrities. Okay. He goes over to Harrison Ford's house, and he does some trick with like a dollar. He has Harrison Ford sign a dollar bill, mm-hmm. and then he like makes it disappear, and then he's like, "All right, Harrison, now go over to that fruit bowl that you have in your." in your kitchen and cut open that orange and Harrison Ford cuts open the orange and the dollars inside of it and he just looks up and he says get the fuck out of my house <laughs> he's so pissed he's so pissed off and it's just like one of the most delightful things to just watch Harrison Ford the most composed stoner in the world look up at David Blaine and just tell him to fucking leave you ruined my goddamn orange you piece of shit <laughs> Dude, it's amazing. Well, yeah, Harrison he's Ford would be not, a good one. He's not the guy that did Magic Secrets revealed, is he? No, no, no. That, that guy, guy is not a real guy. <laughs> the unmasked the guy. <laughs> it's me. Who the fuck are you? This magician <laughs> from off the strip in Las Vegas. I don't know who you are. <laughs> this is not. You're not David Copperfield. And then he, I don't he, care. Brings, he brings this like explanation of like i really wanted to do this because it's time that people know how magic tricks <laughs> i'm sick of of the public not knowing the truth it's like it's like this is how art evolves we have to get to a point just like john cage did or no john kale what who's the guy that did the silence for five and a half minutes or whatever. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. John you Cage. break everything down. John Cage. John Cale was in the Velvet Underground. Yeah. Um, and and uh, and Edge was in the WWE. And in U2. Right. Yeah. No, the, Ed- it's the Edge was in U2. Edge was in WWE. John Cale was in the Velvet Underground. <laughs> John Cage, uh, Johnny Cage from John- Mortal Kombat, <laughs> where he does he punches you in the nuts. JJ Kale, J Cole, yeah. Um, who was Johnny Cage in? Johnny Cage was like the he was in like the original Mortal Kombat. He was the oh, celebrity. Yeah, we, we were, oh, okay. And his move was to do the splits and punch in the nuts. That was his whole thing. Oh, word. He was cool. He's we, in the movie too. He's yeah. like so, him and Sonya had a romance, dude. When was the last time you watched that movie? It's been a while. It's a fucking bummer. You put it on and you're like, you're like, oh, this will be funny, and then it's just like, it's not good. It's just so you have no idea what's going on right away. Dude, that's what I remember. So I feel like everybody has this notion that like, Mortal Kombat was pretty good for a video game movie in the '90s, and then Mortal Kombat Two was really bad. Yeah. But I think you're right. I it's think Mortal Kombat's just bad. Yeah. Um. It had a really cool commercial because it had that awesome song that "Do you feel alright?" Yeah, yeah. And what do we gotta bring back? I I love that that trend that like '90s uh, like jock jams songs. True Dude. arena rock. Fucking, I miss that. I miss that. Yeah, now it's I, it's an interesting thing because those songs before were just made for arenas were they yeah and they were just like were they just like club songs are they like early like ecstasy clubs like tracks i have no idea i want to know where that like i i don't know what that subgenre of like electronic music was referred to come on the train yeah and ride what is who listened to that the jams pump it up like actually put that on their speakers boom boom he's like way (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's the, like with except for buying jock jams cd or tape at the time who played that music isolated from those situations we had 
so many days where someone brought their jock jams cassette tape onto the school bus and that's what we listened to on the way to school wait you guys got to put your own tapes into the school bus yeah dude and one time was there a cool school bus driver uh yeah miss c and one time i brought on a tape that i made and everybody (laughs) freaking revolted what was on it goo goo dolls um Google Dolls, but name was on it, so that was cool. But I had a, I had a version of, uh, of Carrie Ann by the Hollies that was done by, um, it was Tommy Keen and the Gin Blossoms, and I'm like, oh yeah, everyone's this gonna song think I'm so cool, fucking awesome. And Gin Blossoms are big, and then man, that thing got sent back. Sent back, and I freaking, I was so sad. Brandon Lair, I was like, this tape stinks! <laughs> Everybody just wants to hear We Will Rock You, and, uh... And then the Rock tapes. and Roll Part 2. <laughs> <laughs> um, Someone should, like, I, that would be... Dope entrance music, I think. Could just and, come out to Arena Rock. Yeah, dude. Just come bow, out. Bow, bow, <laughs> I, did you ever? I remember very specifically with my with the friend that I used to like mime wrestling matches with. We also would lower his hoop as low as possible, bring the boombox out. Oh and fuck put yeah! Jock jams yeah, on, dude. Right, and then just do like alley oops and mm-hmm. cool. Off the backboard dunks. Right, slam dunk contest. And yeah. it's like, oh, that was one million out of ten. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Get his little brother, make sure his little brother watches us. <laughs> has to judge us. Um, Yeah, I don't really know what's going on with the AEW corporate structure. <laughs> <laughs> it looks interesting. I think it's an interesting thing. And it seems like what everybody thought ahead of time. But it's just wild to think. They have a, a stacked but very small roster, right? They have like right. 25, 30 wrestlers yeah. max that are signed here. And I'm sure that they'll have independent folks showing up here and there. And they'll be cultivating young talent, blah, blah, blah. But it's really interesting to see like a quarter of the roster is also in corporate positions on the company. Yeah. Like Christopher is. Daniels, Billy Gunn, they're all working for this company in a capacity that's not wrestling well is billy gunn billy gunn's not wrestling is he's a producer yeah he's a producer i mean i'm sure he'll fight a match he'll show up but it's like it's weird to see all of these people that are independent wrestlers at this point just like on the staff do you think because you know i think dean ambrose is kind of the big uh you know that's kind of the first one that's that's coming up now where he's leaving we think right and it's like if the revival goes to aew that's not a big deal but dean ambrose is is kind of a big deal yeah so and dean ambrose is i think maybe the highest profile person but still following the footsteps of cody and neville right doing the same thing being like i'm in a position i'm a pretty damn good wrestler everybody likes me Mm -hmm. and I'm not getting booked well. Let me out of here. Yeah. But, I mean, even when he's not being booked well, he's still a former champion. He's still probably, um, you know, in the top ten as far as, like, you know, recognizable characters on the show that have been established in the past ten years. Definitely. Um, I wonder, like, I think it's easy to speculate, like, what the significance of him going or not going to AW would be, but, I mean, let's, like, let's parse that out. What, you know, what do you think it, it does? If, if he goes there, is it significant for AEW? Does it bring a legitimacy there? I think so. I think the first active uh defection is gonna be a big deal no matter what and if that's 
not the revival and it's someone like Dean Ambrose, I think that's fucking huge, you know? If it's not uh, Kenta, I mean, like, we can all assume Kenta's going to end up there at some point, right? But, like, it doesn't really, that's not moving the needle as far as WWE is concerned. Yeah. But someone like Dean Ambrose is big. I wonder if it's, like, is there a drawback from Dean Ambrose going there? Is that something that maybe makes uh, people more cynical about AEW? Other than, like, the, you know, the basement dwellers that, are just like well, I don't want right him there for whatever reason like one could come up with but it's like does it I guess does it hamper the um the legitimacy of what AEW is trying to do in terms of product presentation where it seems like they're going for more of like a sport oriented thing um my guess too is that that could also come not at the expense of maybe pushing the envelope in terms of a creative direction, which I think Dean would be perfect for, but he is such a WWE wrestler at this time that I think the, the, the skepticism that I might have is, is he going to be able to go into a place like that where they're not going to want to see him do, you know, the, the rope trick and the, you know, he's got like a five moves of doom type thing. Um, I don't know. I think it's, I, I think that's a really interesting point because for a while, Dean Ambrose of the shield crew made, I think the least sense on the WWE roster. Yeah. You know, he's an old CZW guy. He's, just wants to bleed and hit people with chairs and shit and like scrap and brawl and over time it's definitely transformed and now he's very much just a wwe wrestler with that fucking clothesline and i think that's clearly hampered his ability to be a compelling a compelling superstar in some ways and you know maybe if he leaves the wwe roster he can land on his feet and start spreading that out again I mean, like, watching Dean versus Joey Janela would be a mind-blowing match, right? Yeah. And I think the, the other thing that that would do, though, to AEW, would it would force those comparisons between the companies, right? I think a lot of the issue now is that, like, right. maybe they're not direct competition. Maybe these are, maybe this is more competition with NXT than it is with WWE. I think it would be really easy to be fans of both of them without having to, like, want one to beat the other. But as soon as Dean goes over, if that happens, that draws the direct comparison. Right. Yeah. Does it does it align too much? I think Dean, no matter what, he's going to have to kind of come in and sell himself as being something that matters on a level that's more than just him uh, being who he is. Because, yeah, I think him being who he is comes with, you know, a fair amount of skepticism. Um I also just think that it might be a work. I'm starting I've to like think totally, that it's that it's a work. I would not be surprised at all. He, who did he fight this week? He just folded hard against against CC3. Yeah, yeah. He just ate those that pin real quick, and it was very clear. And like maybe they're punishing him for wanting to leave, and maybe he's just eating shit. But like, it also seems like this is what they would be doing if they're trying to convince people like you and me that Dean Ambrose is going to AEW. Mm-hmm. Like, and of course the, he's going to eat pins. You know, the fact that he was seemingly at the beginning of saying something um, direct about it to the crowd mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago and then was interrupted by Nia Jax. Now he's working with Nia Jax on house shows. Yeah. Like, I wonder if, like, that's something that I think, like, if if he stays, I think I'd be surprised to see him not just working a match against Nia Jax at WrestleMania. That would be awesome. And I mean, I think he he could do that still. I think even. he's here through Mania. Yeah. I think he's in WWE through Mania. I would love to see that match. I think that would be so much fun. 
I think they could do something really interesting. I think they would probably make a lot of sense together. Yeah, definitely. Um, what else we got? Like, what else has been has been happening um, in terms of WWE stuff? We got the Elimination Chamber going up. We have um, some, I think, pretty viable candidates. Do you think anybody's gonna win besides Daniel Bryan? No, but I think this is where you get the Daniel Bryan WrestleMania match. Sure. Where we set it up. Right. It's, I think one of I think one of my favorite things that happened in, in wrestling this week was Mustafa Ali and Randy Orton. That was great. Oh my God. He's so good. Randall. Randy. Oh my god, he is so good at making people look competitive and then just doing the thing where he's like, caught you. Got it. That's all I needed. I the RKO is one of the most interesting finishers, I think, at this point in the history of the WWE. It's so wild because he's found a way to take something that's not original. It's, it's it's a, a diamond cutter. cutter. Yeah. Um and he has found a way to just apply it in such a like quick way and they always always put it over. It's like it's a, it's a kills the match. It's the end. Yeah. I mean, think of a finisher that is capable of doing that. And and no less one for as long as as Randy's been around the fact that he can just he's just sold it as out of nowhere end of story forget about it nobody if you know we can all people will roll their eyes at Randy Orton until he retires they're absurd for thinking (laughs) but the fact that he can just hit that and like there's no amount of freaking uh uh uh, why am I blanking on the the opposite? There's no amount of pessimism that is is going to stop one from saying that was fucking cool. Every time, it's very cool. I mean, and, there's a reason that that became a meme a year or two ago, right? Where yeah. it became Instagram videos or whatever of of fail videos turning into RKO videos. It's so that was fucking popular. Funny. It's great. Did you, did you ever download the um, Chrome extension that closes your tabs with an RKO? No, that's it's great. Fucking awesome. Does that exist? Yeah, uh, I used to have it. I, maybe I'll maybe I'll get it again. Yeah, I'm gonna look for it right now. But yeah, it's like I think I was doing yoga when that match was going on, and then you kind of get to a certain point where. I'm just hearing everybody's growing excitement for how this match is going that I end up just like sitting and watching the last five minutes of it. And he's just, he's always, he's so smooth. He's so good with someone like Mustafa Ali where Randy Orton pins him, kind of gives that look like, man, not bad, huh? Not bad, kid. And, uh, but then it's like, gotcha, Of course though. I beat you with the yeah, RKO. Of course, you can flip as much as you want. Yeah. Uh, I had to find a real creative way to beat you with this RKO, but, you I know. Beat you with the RKO. All right. All right. What is it? What, do we see a future in Mustafa Ali? I think so. Yeah. I'm actually, like, I think that he is my betting pick for Daniel Bryan's WrestleMania. Do you think so? You think he gets rocketed up there? I feel like it's Daniel Bryan is, he's so good at selling whoever he's fighting and whatever they represent that the best move really is to give us a wrestling match with Daniel Bryan versus an opponent. So, Mustafa Ali is able to come in and work as an underdog against this 
fucking guy. And Brian is going to wrestle the fuck out of him. And he's going to sell the... He's going to sell the, the program. Yeah, I I mean, like, that match, I think, is probably the one I would be most excited about seeing, the physical match. And I think there's also a potential for Daniel Bryan to go uh, pretty all-cops-are-bastards on, on this one as well and just, oh, you know, my God. make fun of Mustafa Ali for being a former police officer. Whoa. I think that could be really cool. Whoa. Uh, I hadn't even thought of that. I, I think there's a built-in rivalry there that's like really straightforward to make Mustafa Ali a, a superhero uh, that everyone gets behind. Yeah. I mean, also that that's Daniel Bryan is a really interesting character right now because I think it it I feel very conflicted about it. Similarly to how I feel conflicted about action films, where this is promoting these are promote action films we've watched enough of them and in our own circles where it's just really easy to take them ironically or to watch the craft of the film being made and see the narrative moves that they're doing the the decisions they're making but also as soon as you take a step back you think of all the fucking republicans that are watching these movies and getting their beliefs reinforced yeah and i think that's an interesting thing that's happening with daniel bryan right now where we're watching him be this you know like vegan progressive hippie and we're like yeah that's like all the stuff we believe in and it's really funny how smart and like well they're using this to make him a bad guy but also the majority of the wrestling fandom is watching this and they're like fuck that guy Mm. and i think that's bad yeah but but it's really well done it is really well done i think that this is maybe a new uh representation of kind of the cognitive dissonance that goes into watching wrestling as a whole sure that um you know we you're kind of confronted like every time you go to a live event you see the people that are around you and you know as a person who i think has um worked pretty hard to kind of uh reinforce the bubble that I'm in to maintain it, mm-hmm. you know, when you get thrust into, uh, people who, uh, probably have a legitimate fear still that Obama is going to come and take their guns. Um, you know, you're, you're thrust into that. And it's just like, all right, here we are. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like, the the action film parallel thinking about the the monologue and how everything they always say makes so much sense until they say the line about uh mother russia and or the only solution is that everyone must die and it's like no, that's not the only solution. Come on. We need to work together. <laughs> right. So even if even if it all makes logical sense, it's like that last bit where it's like, oh no, that's, that's why you're bad. Um, but I mean, and that's what makes a great villain, right? Right. When everything they say makes sense and is logical until they take it one step too far. Uh But also I think that's the most problematic part about all of these forms of media because I think it really does reinforce a lot of things. And I don't really know how to deal with that in any real way. I think it's fucking awesome to watch. Yeah. It's somebody, I think a lot of people kind of pointed out the fact that Brian was on SmackDown this week with like a shirt that was just like, you know, very pro every type of homophobia, no racism. Yeah. And it's like, uh, that's the bad guy that's wearing that they put his picture up either on a poster on their website with the new belt right after that was aired they took Uh a picture of him and they photoshopped out all of that off of his shirt which is super interesting yeah um that might just be the fact that might be a branding thing yeah they probably don't want to deal with the possible uh, legal issue that someone who you know whoever designed that shirt says oh I didn't get anything for that right right um, but yeah him wearing that as a bad guy is a really interesting thing yeah 
Yeah. It's, it is like kind of conflicting, I guess. Um, but I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just not sure like how much anybody else thinks about it. Like any of the people who are booing them are probably just like, Oh, that, that dirty hippie. That fucking liberal. Yeah. A libtard. Yeah. Exactly. Snowflake. That's what it is, right? Like that's, he's like a libtard snowflake cuck and his, mm-hmm. that's his whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. It just so happens to be, uh, him talking about all the things that he legitimately cares about or the things that are, you know, good talking points in general, but who knows? Um, Elimination Chamber, I feel like it, it's an interesting field because I guess they have a couple of weeks to, to build it a little bit more, but it feels like everybody that's going into that match is kind of on a level playing field. You know, there's no yeah. there's no apparent uh, uh, favorite other than Brian. Right. And I, I do think Ali is probably the underdog there, but I think that's purposeful. Yeah. Is there a, is there I don't know who I don't have no idea who I can imagine coming out of that one other than Brian. Yeah, cuz I mean I feel like they don't want to do AJ again. I feel like Randy even though um even though he's always good um and even though he's got he, his stock is is such that he can effectively uh come back into the main event picture anytime he wants mm-hmm. it still feels like he's not there i don't think he even needs to be right no. but i guess i don't know what when we're talking who was it a couple of weeks ago someone was on some podcast talking about how vince books wrestlemania for the poster mm-hmm. right and <clears throat> this poster is interesting so far, but I don't know if it's drawing folks from outside of wrestling, you know? Yeah. You got Rhonda and Becky and right. Brock and Seth. Uh-huh. I think that, I mean, in terms of this match, I think that this is the uh, the wrestling match right. poster because this is kind of the, the wrestling belt at this point. Um, AJ's in such a, an interesting position right now because I really don't know where he sits i feel like you know an objective from this elimination chamber is that aj styles needs to come out of it with an opponent more than anybody else yeah he either needs to get injured or he needs to have a feud yeah a real serious angry feud but it's tough because he's fought pretty much everybody in there already in one capacity or another the ones that make the most sense like joe he already had that blood feud he hasn't fought Randy, though. <laughs> that would be really interesting. I would like to see that a lot. A couple of old dogs just mm-hmm. going at it. Yep. And I think that, you know, Randy's done a really good job, too, of kind of when he came back and he was going after Rey Mysterio and, and Jeff Hardy. And AJ, I think, is in a very good position for that type of work where Randy can be kind of maniacal with him and maybe take a take a good old piss on on AJ Styles' reputation and his legacy and the and the idea that he is someone who should be respected. But. Yeah, I think and Randy's done a really good job of starting feuds and making them matter and mean something right away. Yeah, I think that that's like maybe his his other strongest suit is that if he wants to fight somebody he just will yeah he just rkos them and yeah. then like fucks with them after they're on the ground and it's like yeah i think the thing with like wrestlemania is that it's really hard to uh remember that there's only so many singles matches you can have that's so tough when you think about like oh who do you want to work with who at WrestleMania, rarely am I thinking about things in terms of a multiple person match. Right. I just want to see singles matches and it doesn't work like that. You gotta you gotta find a way to put everybody into a thing. 
Yeah. That is an interesting thing as well. I mean, yeah, it's a long show no matter what, right? And I guess, I feel like Randy has, dude, who did he fight last year at Mania? I don't think he fought did at he Mania. Did he not fight? Yeah, I, think, I don't think he was, I think he was hurt. Oh, that makes sense, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he can easily take a slot, right? WWE is going to give him one if, if it makes sense. Yeah, totally. He's a big enough. But big he's enough like, man. yeah, I think he has to work if he's not hurt. Right. He's got to do something. Right. But I mean, like, I can, I don't see why they wouldn't give him a singles match slot unless something else, you know, naturally came up. But, you know, him versus AJ is an easy one to throw on the card. Yeah. Or him versus whoever. Yeah. Easy to throw on the card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him versus they, Ali would be an easy one. Their stock is, is high enough, uh, AJ and Randy, where they are able to have a blood feud singles match at WrestleMania within everything else um so i yeah i guess there's there's still like a lot to be determined i am really intrigued with you know what their plan is with charlotte because i feel like i i feel like the decision is still yet to be made on whether or not she's a part of this thing with becky and ronda which is an exciting way to kind of continue to keep the story intriguing like on a meta perspective i think they're doing a good job of like is she or isn't she um but yeah it's uh it's 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 all it's all good it's all fun it's exciting it's great having you back over it's great to do this show again dude to talk talk about a little bit of wrestling talk and to to manage a uh pretty demanding dog right now um but we're only here because we like doing it we hope that y'all are enjoying it as well uh we invite you to come back and join us for episode number 34 another wrestlemania that scott went to i went there too and we will be doing that next week tell a friend subscribe to it on apple Podcasts. rate it write a review all the things keep us going we'll be doing it either way but we will talk to you then thanks brothers